Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the DM Roundtable for May 2022. This is a chance for patrons and I to get together and discuss topics in tabletop RPGs by sharing our ideas, thoughts, and experiences. We can all become better DMs or GMs. The DM Roundtable discussions are open to all patrons at every level of patreon.com slash roguewatson. You don't even have to be an active participant. You can jump in here and lurk to your heart's content, and we are glad to have you. This month's topic, as determined by the poll, is dragons. It's the other name of the game, though despite being right there in the name, dragons actually don't come up very often in D&D, the joke being it's dungeons and only occasionally dragons. How do we use these powerful and recognizable bastions of fantasy in our games? Joining me for this month's DM Roundtable, we have Stan. Greetings. Peglegs Smitty. Hello. And special guest, a... Veteran of dragon wielding, you also know him as uh, Valravin, uh, Gwynetane Lanrier, Mr. Chris. Very good, very good, sir. I Hello. tried. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually said the full name in a while. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, dragons. Obviously, I'm a fan. I I love fantasy as a genre. Um, Flight of the Dragons, my online nickname forever and, and really still is in a lot of places, is Gorbash, which is a the fucking name of a dragon in that old, I think it's maybe late 80s, early 90s animated movie thing. I, so I, I love dragons. I love them. Um, the weird thing is, in all the years that we've played Dungeons & Dragons, I haven't actually used dragons themselves very much. Uh, I think I can count probably one hand... That we've used them. Ironically, we just used one uh, recently, which was pretty fun in Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, uh, which we can certainly talk about that a little bit. Nothing too spoilery, of course, but uh, in terms of what we just experienced. But uh, I think dragons are obviously pretty well represented in the monster manual. Uh, there's the five metallic dragons and five chromatic dragons, which are the good and evils. And all the different elemental colors. And the most exciting thing to me is that we have different stat blocks for each one. Which very much align to the tiers of play. You basically have your low level young dragon. You've got your older teenage dragon. And you've got your older adult dragon. And then you've got the big badass ancient dragon. Times however many dragons there are. That is a huge... How many pages is this? It's... It's it's a solid chunk. Yeah, it's like 30 pages of the Monster Manual is just devoted to dragons. So there's a ton of content already in here. Uh, but I think dragons can be tricky to use in D&D because they are... You kind of have to build things around them. You can't just throw dragons somewhere. They're, you know, apex predators. They're intelligent. Um... Usually they are the most powerful creature around. Even when they're a young one, they tend to threaten entire realms. So they tend to be just kind of the bosses of different regions. So I guess I'm curious to say to see how uh, you all have used dragons in your adventures, whether they're the big uh, honchos, they, they play a major role like they did in uh, Chris's campaign in Storm King's Thunder, or whether they're just kind of one-off uh, layers or something. And Stan, we're going to start with you. Tell me about your opening thoughts about using dragons. Um, I absolutely love using dragons, and I use them somewhat frequently. Um, part of that is the uh, campaigns that I've been running is I've been going through the Horde of the Dragon Queen and then into Rise of Tiamat, collectively known as the Tyranny of Dragons campaign. Right. <clears throat> dragons show up a lot in there <laughs> for <laughs> obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and then in my homebrew world, um, certain major NPCs actually are polymorph dragons. Ooh. So, uh, and I, I use some of the old D and D lore where they have some tells. Like, if you see a polymorphed uh, silver dragon, they might wear a little bit of silver jewelry, or mm -hmm. um, a, a gold dragon might smell like cinnamon. That was a big dragon lance thing, wasn't it? Where, yes. where the dragons could uh -huh. all become people, and there was a big rumor about if they were, you know, certain people were actual dragons because they just liked chilling as. It was almost like the gods walking among us thing, and they just like to do that mm -hmm. and be more like people. <laughs> Especially, right. it, and it tends to be more of a thing that you see with the uh, metallic dragons can do it at a younger age. Only the uh, certain chromatic dragons can do it at advanced age. Interesting. Um, that's one of the big things, uh, one of the driving forces between old gnawbones 
don't make don't don't make me say her real name. Um, it's a lot of <laughs> consonants lot of, yeah. together, and it, it's like twenty six <laughs> letters long. Nice. Um, that that's one of her goals is she really desperately wants to be able to polymorph into a human or an elf, but she knows that if she does it, she doesn't have all of her abilities and she's terrified. So she won't do it. Hmm. And hmm. so she's the puppet master of politics in Waterdeep and Neverwinter. That's a cool she had, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, she was the big bad in my campaign is okay. to, to use her and you introduce early and then you pull back. She the one that kind of hangs like out near Phandalin area. Um, she's on the other side of the sword mountains okay. and, um, she's in Crypt Garden, uh, forest. Okay. So. Where, where most of the adventures take place around the, like Prince of the Apocalypse was in that area too. I think that a little bit south of there. Yeah. Sword Valley. Yeah. But yeah, I love them, use them frequently and find creative ways of introducing them when I can. All right. Uh, Pegla, give me your opening thoughts on using dragons in your campaigns. I'm kind of the opposite. I don't use them very often, and when I do, I try to make them something that the players will remember. Um, uh, spoilers are okay for not for rhyme, obviously, but is that correct? I, I, it's just announce like what we're gonna spoil. I think, okay. but this, I mean, yeah. this should be DMs mostly, but obviously, some of us play as players in other campaigns. So as long as we give people a heads up if we're talking about a certain campaign, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, so for example, in Lost Mine of Phandelver, uh, my players fought Venom Fang, who actually ran away, and that was part of the driving force to get them tied into the events when we transitioned to Storm King's Thunder, was uh, hunting down Venom Fang. Oh, wow. Um, who I gave, uh, some lair actions to summon Kobold so that he'd have some minions. Um... And then same thing within Dragon of Icefire Peak. I made sure to uh, buff her with some lair actions as well. Okay, tell me about Icefire Peak, because I, I haven't actually read this adventure yet. Um, and it it's it sounds like it uses dragons. Because the one in Fandelver is just almost a side footnote. Like, it's it's there's no quest involved. It's just, hey, you go to this area, and there happens to be a dragon in this one corner. To me, at least, I, that's how I read it. But I don't know anything mm-hmm. about the Icepire Peak one. I don't know if it uses it better. Yeah. Um. So Icepire Peak. One of the ways that I really like how the adventure is structured is that the dragon moves in and that displaces someone who displaces someone else and just ends up causing all sorts of trouble for the area around Fandolin. Okay. Um. So the taking down this dragon, whose name I've forgotten because I actually changed it, is like the. That's your your BBEG for the the encounter. Is it a is it a young dry is it the young yeah it's a young young white dragon okay ah. um which I ended up buffing a little bit because a, a CR six against a party of level six characters when you don't have minions or anything else yeah. isn't that much of a challenge. Yeah, that's or if you or if you don't play them evil. Like, yeah. Never let them land. Yeah, that's mm. part of the problem with dragons is that yes. playing them optimally is not fun for the players. <laughs> nope. you, well, unless unless and I'll toot my own horn and and you take inspiration from uh the uh the hobbit where it becomes like a disaster movie. It's less about like, oh, we we're a we're adventuring party that's going to go fight this dragon and more about oh shit, there's just a jet up there like just throwing missiles down on top of this town and we have to just deal with the the, the fallout of that and maybe we can't even actually fuck with the dragon because we're this level and we don't even have the means of messing with it, which I enjoyed uh, pulling that off in, yeah. uh, twice. I've done it twice, well, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Tomb, I treated it like, a, uh, like an action sequence of the dragon coming in and just uh, spoilers for <laughs> a section of our Tomb of Annihilation campaign. There is a there is a dragon in that campaign, and the way I used it was to foreshadow it by when the players approached the general lair area in a ship, I had the dragon come out and just fucking burn their ship down. And uh, there was no point in which they entered combat. There was nothing about, oh shit, we're going to have to fight this. It was just, hey, you're going to have to roll saves and just treat this like a an action sequence. It's a bad thing happening to you, and that's it. There's no yeah. way around it. And then that's how that's how Horde of the Dragon Queen starts. 
Right, with the with the village being attacked. Yeah. As a as a, I intentionally uh, did a side quest before we started that adventure because of scaling uh, to get him at level two when I hit greenest. But you come into that town and they all your players. I was playing with all rookie players. They're looking at me like you're doing what? That's a tricky opening. I remember reading about that. You're you're basically yeah in a village that's just being attacked by a dragon and like invaded by kobolds and shit. And you're like level one, going what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? Should we and here? yeah, are there some rats we can like, go fight? <laughs> yeah, well that happens too. But um, yeah, they're looking at you like it's an adult blue dragon. What? <laughs> Well, it was nice playing this game. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, but that's but, yeah. But I think that's the goal is is you can you can introduce these huge threats, and because they they can be literally so huge, they can threaten entire towns. And if, depending on what tier the players are at, it can be pretty obvious to say, okay, your goal is not to literally defeat this thing. Your goal is just it's a fucking disaster movie. It, it's just you're trying to save people. And hopefully there's also minions around so you can get some combat in, but it just becomes this, like, ongoing environmental hazard, essentially. Yeah, and Chris did that in Storm Kings at the intro. Um, oh, that's true. But they didn't even know it was a dragon at that point. But, yes, I did do that. That was the, the you're talking about the attack of the, on the tower? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, Which, yeah, I guess... You never even saw the dragon in that, but that was that's definitely true. the same thing. Like, you don't, no, you're not going <laughs> to fight think, this. this. I think at that point you weren't you you weren't willing to reveal what the uh, main villain was, right? That was the oh, tease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we yeah, weren't even exactly. sure we were up against a, a dragon at that point. I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but it, it it was played the same way though. That same style of like, no, this is just a disaster thing happening to you, or not a not a fight. So, uh, Chris, we haven't gone to you for your opening thoughts on uh, using dragons <laughs> either. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I love them. Um, I think what, one of the most fun parts about dragons is that just by their very nature being like, you know, ancient, not all powerful, but extremely powerful beings, you can kind of go wild with their personalities. Mm-hmm. You can kind of make them these like very, very much larger than life characters. And you can make them very memorable that way. Not o- not only in their power, but in their, you know, personality and Mannerisms, They're just and, like people, yeah, right. but amplified. <laughs> but amplified, exactly. Yeah, but amplified. <laughs> and they're also a fun way to to, to do that sort of um, toying with the players thing. Where like, do you want to poke the bear? You, you you don't want to, but do you want to? Yeah, I, I talked about that in the in the crafting stream uh, this week about how much fun it was to uh, because in D anD D fifth edition especially players get so powerful so quickly that mm-hmm. regardless almost of their personality, the players, the player character always gets a little bit of swagger and kind of throws their weight yeah. around and, and really kind of feels <laughs> like they can kind of, you know, maybe bully is not the right word, but they, they've got like the, um, they've got the butt that, that can cash the check that their mouth often writes <laughs> to, to right. reverse engineer that phrase. Um, oh. And so with a lot of those social scenes, it, it you know, the DM's almost on the back foot a lot of times. Even if they try to act tough, the players can usually, like, meet them. Yeah, it's head. the implication of, I, I could kill everything in this room. <laughs> like, and and, and, and I, not that I'm saying, I'm not saying I'm going to, yeah. but I could. Yeah, but then when you use something like a lich or a vampire or a dragon, something that is sociable but also has the power to back it up, again, depending on where your players are, uh, then suddenly the... It's on the other foot. Like the DM has control of the situation again, uh, and it gets real fun when the DM can then use that swagger against the players. Yep. And the players they, they, they have they, to they have to deal with that personality. They yes. have to like really engage with the personality at that point. Yeah, and and you use that for uh, I think it was Clouth in Storm Kings. Yes. When we, when we met with him, and he was very like haughty and uh, you know domineering and wanting people to worship him, you know, megalomanic and all that, and. Exactly. And my character failed a, a uh, like a charm save, I think, and yes. was just like already like getting the T-shirt and the sign. Yeah, and... yep, yep. One of his cult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I became a follower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's been fun, sort of like exploring like the like like, like I was saying like the different um, personalities types of dragons that you might see because like yeah yeah Cloud was like was like like the quintessential just evil red dragon you know yeah. like he's got occultists and. He wants power and whatnot. And then I also had, what was the other one? I forget his name. But I had the NPC ally dragon. 
Oh, yes. Dogalos. 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 That yes. was a unique situation. Uh, I want you to talk a lot about that because I've never, we've never had an ally that was that powerful before, but also with such a unique uh, personality. And obviously, they were a dragon. <laughs> yep. But yep. I think when we first met them, we didn't even know they were a dragon, right? I think so. I think that was the case. Like Sam was talking about a polymorphed. Uh, it was. Yeah. Humanoid. Yeah, was they polymorphed, polymorphed into a humanoid. Yep. Yep. He was like a little halfling dude. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Thelgalos was entirely uh, reverse. I, I, don't, I don't believe he's in the Storm King's book. I don't think. But he's totally reverse engineered from a expansion thing I got off the. I think you greatly ex- you greatly uh, expanded his role. I think he's technically yeah. in there, he's but he's mentioned. a bit player. But he's I, a bit player. Think but, in the book, he's just in. I can't remember what the name of the flying castle is, like Linar Mall or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the then the uh, the flying misfortune, I think, is the expansion that like that's, actually that's- has you get together with him. Yep. So I started, I, that, that was my starting point. It's like before I even started like really building the campaign, I had that adventure like in my pocket and I kind of reverse engineered his role in the story f- to get to that uh, adventure. Okay. So yeah, I had to like really. That's the one we went out to the desert with the dragons. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. That was a lot because, of dragon yeah. stuff. That was good. That was a lot of dragon yeah. stuff. Those two, two uh, more, I think it was the teenage ones. Yeah. The blue dragons. Blue dragons. Yeah, Actually, yeah, children. Or that's right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of spoilers for Storm Kings probably in this uh, uh, yes. talk. By the way, <laughs> we haven't got the tyranny of dragons yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I had to for Helgelos. I had to like give like a disadvantage to having such. I, and I think yeah. what I did was the like unlucky aura because he was like a yeah. I, f- I forget what the what the what the story was there. Like he was like like addicted to some weed that he had. Was, like, yeah, he had to. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He had to smoke a certain weed to, yeah. to stop his, his bad luck aura. aura. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think that might be from the flying misfortune, actually, or at least part of it. The the the, the him trying to get his. His weed back. Yeah, <laughs> I think, that, think so. I think yeah, that's from uh... the adventure itself. And then I think I reverse engineered the like unlucky aura as part of, like, oh, I want to give them a dragon ally, but it needs to not just you know tank everything for them. Well, that's what I liked about that too. That uh, people normally would flock to the strong NPC, but they kept trying to get away from him because he kept <laughs> giving people disadvantage. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't quite a, a good uh team teammate that, that campaign was a Close great use life. of multiple kinds of dragons we had the dragon ally we had dragons that we could fight at a mid-tier level and then yep. again heavy spoilers for storm king's thunder oh yes a, a big dragon was our big bad boss at the end yes and that's another example of uh something you, you were talking about earlier um where our um where the the dragon polymorph comes into play because that was like the whole which to be fair you guys you guys kind of skipped over some of that flow. <laughs> uh, I think it was in the the underwater giant uh, dungeon. Oh God, we skipped at least two of the like main big dungeons yeah. in that campaign. Yeah, but uh, I am with being polymorphed as a giantess who was like the advisor to the to the king and the princess was like the primary plot of Storm King's Thunder, where she's <laughs> yeah. like polymorphed. The entire time, and she's trying to destroy the giants from the inside as a giant. So, yeah, I really get to play with, yeah, that aspect of it as well. Uh, tell us more about Tyranny of Dragons, Stan. Because that was, that was used very early on in D&D 5e. Uh, it, it is the beginning of 5e. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right? Like the very first one. And... Um, I mean... You know, once you get past the train wreck of everything's off scale, where there's cakewalk fights, and then yeah, you will TPK the party if you run this as written. <laughs> this is you pretty know. balanced. <laughs> yeah, you, before, it, it was made before the monster manual was done, yeah. so it, it ba- balance is not a thing. It was all story, so you will have to adjust it. But yeah, you start off with hey, we're fighting a blue dragon, and then you have an honor duel with a half dragon. You will lose a character. Um, <laughs> It's as written, you will lose a character. Wow. Um, The clerics will bring them back, but your players don't know that, especially Uh, if they're rookies. And that feels mean. Sinrath is using, I mean, his weapon, he will literally cut them in half. I mean, he he is a, he's like a level six fighter or something. 
you know, with multi-attack and everything else, and you're going up against a first-level fighter. They're right. done. Yeah. Welcome um, to D&D. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, you know, you've got the introduction of minions, where you start seeing that kobolds take care of dragon eggs, and they they will be a little haughty about, we know dragons and you humans don't. That comes up. Um, and then I got into some of my own homebrew stuff where I pulled in a, I don't like chapter four, and we've discussed that in other roundtables. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I brought in my uh, an old Dragonlance module and ran part of that as chapter four and pulled out the old uh, Chrysanth from uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight and used her as a, bla- a black dragon. Nice. And play and something that a lot of people don't do is playing into their dragon's personality. Your white dragons tend to be dumb as a box of rocks and they're more bestial. They're hunters. They're just out to eat. Where's my next meal coming from? Black dragons like to torture and torment their prey. Green dragons like old gnawbones are puppet masters. They don't care as much about gold. They'll give gold away, but they keep people. They want, they, they want, minions people to uh, expand their power beyond their lair yeah. so they will put a, get a politician in their in their back pocket they will hire adventuring parties to go find magic items for them they i mean so they are the ultimate puppet masters as klaus you ran klaus great he's the ultimate megalomaniac i mean it's perfect <laughs> and blue dragons are they love war so they love flying above an army and just strafing for hours they get a kick out of it and that's why court of the dragon queen starts off with it that's so that's so that's something that a dm can play into yeah. is using the personality of your dragons and on the other side of that is just because it's a metallic and it's a good dragon doesn't mean that his goals or her goals are going to line up with yours mm-hmm. and and uh, one of my uses of an npc uh, there's a very powerful advisor or politician in Waterdeep that is a polymorph silver dragon in my campaign. And the players thought that was one of their patrons. They did something, and all of a sudden now they're they're on the other side of that dragon. The dragon's infuriated with them mm. because it moved again. They moved against her wishes. Yeah. And so now they have an enemy in a silver dragon. A good silver dragon, but they mess with something they shouldn't have messed with, and they upset part of her plans. I get that it's easy shorthand to have these different dragons in these defined personality roles and traits, but I have very mixed feelings about that because I feel like that lends itself to too much metagaming um, for the players. And I, I don't know. I feel like it would be more interesting if you came across a dragon. You even found out what color it was, but that you still had just no idea like what it was. I feel like the color obviously would tell you um, where it typically layers and what's coming out of its mouth. <laughs> but I, I would, and I, obviously as a DM you can change whatever, but I, I think it'd be more fun to, to really change these personalities around. And I get that dragons are literally were you know created by the dragon god, and they've all got very specific. Or I got two. I guess there was a Tiamat mm-hmm. and. Uh, What's the other one's name? Bahamut. Bahamut, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, made the good ones. And uh, so they're not, you know, it's different rules in terms of how they're made and everything. But I I think it'd be more interesting if you met a, you know, red dragon, all of a sudden it was just super friendly and loved people, you know, or or you met a white dragon who was just super um, clever and smart or a copper <laughs> dragon who was just a, a huge asshole to everybody and lived in a sewer <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> um, you you was, have... Uh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna. You have a player in a game that I can't spoil stuff, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I do what you were saying. Good. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no you go ahead. I, uh, yeah. Uh, what you were saying about the good aligned red dragon was actually my first experience with a dragon in D anD. d Was we had a king's advisor that had polymorphed and then had a curse put on them so they couldn't polymorph back. So they were stuck at a human. We went and broke the curse and uh, he polymorphed into a red dragon in front of us. And we had a moment of, wait, aren't red dragons bad? And we were sitting there wondering if we just damned this entire kingdom and then found (laughs) out that, oh, no, he's he's on our side. Nice. 
Yeah, I think it, to me the, all the the whole like you know chromatic dragons are evil, metallic dragons are good, and they all have these very set personalities. I think those are rules that are given to DMs with the intention that the DMs will break them <laughs> yeah. to a certain extent. Because like it's 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 guidelines that you can that you can then break for the express purpose of surprising your players yeah. or putting a twist on a situation. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing for me as like orcs are evil. You know, it's like, the, well, they're just evil in the book, so they're the, all orcs are evil. It's like, well, okay, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that as a DM just because that's kind of, you know, simple, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and dragon personalities, like anything else, your environment and your, you know, your life circumstances impact how you respond to the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, adjusts, it adjusts your perspective. So if you take a being that's 1,200 years old, they've seen some stuff. <laughs> Right. I, the way I like to imagine it. Them. Yeah, the way I like to imagine it, like anytime the players talking to dragons, is like the way we might talk to like a talking squirrel or something. You know, it's just something <laughs> that is much smaller than us, and we could, you know, just step on it any moment, and it doesn't. What it's doing doesn't really matter to us in any, you know, meaningful way. But I, you know. If Regardless if you're other... if if you're against one that's that is that upper higher tier, oftentimes when you meet one that's in D and D, it it is for the purpose of fighting it as a boss. In which case, you don't necessarily use one that is like godlike to you. Yeah, you just yeah. use it. That's kind of a tough boss stat block. Right, right. Which reminds me of your uh, uh, tomb dragon. Which yes, you had such a good time strafing us and disastering <laughs> us with that dragon. And then when we actually fought him, we handed him his ass. Yeah, I well, yeah, I'm not. First of all, I'm I'm just not great at necessarily running combat as optimally as I could be. And uh, dragons should uh, be as uh, devious and clever and, and know you know their surroundings and know how to use their stuff to the utmost. I mean, even I'm looking at the stat block of a green dragon wormling as an intelligence of 14. Oh wow! I mean, and a wisdom of 11. Like they're just straight up, you know better than the average person <laughs> as, a, yeah, as a small yeah. baby. Um, but their stats improve with age. Right. Yes. Yeah, that is a and, unique and, organism that never actually uh, deteriorates. <laughs> and their, um, and so their personality is going to evolve and grow with them. Yeah. So a, yeah. a young, a, a, the younger the dragon, the more, quote, stereotypical, I would say, their personality is. But when you get older and uh -huh. you know these big ancient dragons they I develop some shit <laughs> yeah they develop like um you know once again storm kings you've got a blue dragon that is conniving like a green hmm. that's she's not leading this right. she's not sitting back as a general running an army and then strafing overhead she's right in the mix herself mm. and as a spy very unusual behavior for a quote blue Right. Um, old Gnawbones, you know, my players absolutely hate her, but they've had conversations with her minions and they've been put on her payroll. They're actually working for her <laughs> somewhat <laughs> against their will because she recognizes you guys are one of the, you know, they're at like a level level 12 now. It's like, you're one of the baddest things on the sword coast. I want you working for me. We have an enemy in common. You hunt down dragon cultists. I'll foot the bill. Because mm. I'm tired of them trying to turn me into a Draco Lich. So you you take care of them. We'll get along fine. You stay out of my business. I'll stay out of yours. Nice. I do like working and, for uh, unconventional allies quite a bit. Right. <laughs> and they absolutely hate her with a passion. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a true boss relationship. Uh huh. Let's let's talk about dragon combat and tactics. Something Peg like mentioned, where if you. Uh, actually use a dragon to its utmost it basically just stays in the sky until its breath weapon recharges and then it fires from uh either a 60 foot or whatever their range on their breath weapon is it's a 90 foot cone 120 foot laser blast whatever it is <laughs> and that becomes problematic for the player so uh usually you got to go fight it in its lair but the lair is usually made to like have them fight around has anybody run some pretty crazy, complex, interesting uh, dragon battles that came off pretty satisfying? Or unsatisfying for whatever reason? Because I've got probably that story. <laughs> I will say the one that I ran that I think I, I wasn't, I was going to have him 
just be as asshole as he can be. You guys handled it really well and had a ton of fun with it and kind of shut him down. And that was the War for the Lost Plane Dragon fight. Um, where you were talking to him and then I, I, I think I think Heather was trying to like deceive him, but he caught on to her and then he was just going to fly straight up. And you like, oh, two this of was you the jumped. They the do with the, the, the sword. Yes, yes, the possessed okay, dragon. God, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the forest dragon that was possessed by the sword, <laughs> and he tried to fly straight up, and two of you like leapt onto him yeah. as he was flying up. Now, granted, this was tier three, so yeah, I feel like you guys were probably at, the at some when you get to that. When, I think when you get to that level, and we discussed this before, you just start throwing problems at your players and just be like, I don't know, how you're gonna solve yes. this, but you're you're gonna do it somehow. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and you guys did it really well. Like two of you were like crawling all over him. You guys were casting spells and teleporting people off of his back. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was all great. Yeah. Because the whole goal is just to pull this. Which, that's all. That, as a side note, that's when you have a combat encounter where the players are trying to do a thing other than kill all monsters, I think that also makes it really memorable and interesting. Whether it's like you have to save a person or you have to pull a lever or, you know, get to one location to another, that automatically makes it way more memorable. And sometimes it's pulling up Possessed Sword out of a dragon. Yep. Out of its head, I think. Out of its head, that's right. Yeah. I will also say the one, I, th I feel like your dragon story is probably very similar to mine, Eric. I was not terribly uh, satisfied with the climax of Storm King's Thunder. Mm. Um, the I Am Earth fight turned into just a bit of a slugfest, where she just kind of stood there and, you know, did her things against you, and you guys just stood there and did your things against her. I mean, part of that was a setting, you know, that was in a cave, so the dragon wasn't able to fly around really Yeah. too much. We were but all like... I Powered to giant strength. You were all, yeah, you were all powered to giant strength, which was the campaign's way of letting you fight an ancient dragon. Right. That, that fucking wizards has done this several times, where they 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 throw this huge threat at you at the end, but you're only like level eleven or twelve or something, and they're yeah. like, all right, so we have to come up with because Tomb does the same fucking thing. I kind of tweaked it a little bit, but they're like, all right, well, all your spirits suddenly turn you into superpowers. Now you're gonna fight a. Violation, uh, uh, spoilers. You're gonna fight a Sarak himself at the end. It's like, what? Like, why? We haven't earned this. We're literally level, like, just got to level eleven or something at the end. Like, what's the point yep. of? Like, I, yeah, I, I don't like that philosophy that Wizards uses for a lot of their campaigns that I've looked at. Is, um, we don't actually have the content to get you up to those levels, so we're just gonna do this. Shortcut, shortcut that doesn't feel yeah. very satisfying for either the DM or the player in order for you to fight this like epic, epic battle that's way later in your career. Yep. The so, other thing about Storm King's Thunder's final confrontation as written is that part of it is they just give NPCs, which I think are an even worse offender oh, because yeah. the players aren't doing the things. No. <laughs> the DM is rolling and, dice and, against himself. And, you know, you know, this is just, you know, people being self-conscious in general, but burned into my brain as like a, oh shit this is bad is reese saying why are we even here when, when, the, <laughs> when the giants are fighting iamrith and it's just like like because the giants are doing a way more damage than you guys yeah. right because the giants were just hacking at her and doing like 20 points of damage with each yeah. hack and reese is back there just going why why are we here it's like i, I don't know man this is, I, I don't i don't disagree with you yeah it's it also makes the mistake of throwing storm giants, which have lightning immunity, against a blue dragon <laughs> with yeah. also lightning immunity. Completely yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a shitty situation. Yep. So I wasn't terribly satisfied with that with with that that fight. That was probably, it's probably my my least favorite bit of the Storm King's Thunder uh, that I ran. Yeah. Is that is the, is the whole climactic uh, battle? I did like. The blue dragon fight in the middle, where you guys were fighting yeah. the two blue dragons that I were did. flying around. Yeah, I like that a down. lot. I reference that quite a bit whenever I'm talking about stuff, and I, I that was just a really memorable sequence. It was like a little heist thing. We had to like go in and steal yes. the treasure, then run back while the dragons are coming at us, and we had all this like splitting the party and tactical shit going on. Yeah, it was really neat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, like I don't want it. I don't want to detract, but that also brings up another point about dragons that I love is that. Dragon implies treasure, which is a great yeah, motivation. That's true. That is, that is <laughs> any true. adventuring yeah. party. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's ever been... Has that ever been a quest for 
any of us that, that's just been like, hey, there's a dragon over here and we need... Oh, you know what? That was a <laughs> that was a quest in Tomb and, and you guys never did it, which was there was a treasure map to like a dragon lair or something. Um, oh. it, you guys and... went through all that effort to... To forge the map and yeah. then never followed up on it. In the very beginning, there was yeah one of the quests from the town was to get a map to a like a dragon lair, and we just never ended up going in that direction. I think it was on the map forever and just never ended up doing it. <laughs> Which there was, yeah. there was a lot of content in that campaign yeah. that we just didn't do. Basically anything that was on like the east side of the jungle. I think George did that in post credits. <laughs> oh, we mentioned something like the epilogue. Yeah, <laughs> it goes over there. Right after he was done exterminating the grung. That's yeah, right. and it, it's a, it's a total like non-event. It's just for spoilers. It, it's there's no dragon. There's just I think it's like a trap set by whatever's living there now, and it's like with a one room thing, and you can just get some of the treasure that's left over. But it's it's not anything. <laughs> it's ah. very disappointing. So probably good you guys didn't do it. Now, had you done it, I might have probably expanded it like I did other stuff. But right. Yeah, the one in uh. The dragon you guys did fight in Tomb, um, yeah, that came down to just, we're in like a cave, and I think you guys got the jump on the dragon also? We did. We were like sneaking around both sides yeah. of that like rock column or whatever. Yeah, to, and you were able, yeah, and, and surprise round is so freaking huge, and you guys were able to just, yeah, do a ton of damage right off the bat, and then, I forget if that was a straight up, a, I don't think that was an adult, I don't, I don't remember. That was probably young. Yeah, I think it's a young red one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, one of the things I like about Dragon Combat is I like using some of the older ones and using them in, using them in te- their intelligence to get in the heads of the players. Um, mm. Like, there is a... Because <clears throat> you have a player in here, I have to be careful what I revol- divulge. <laughs> I but, mean, um, we're, we're all been players at some point, so, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it, it, it has some lore that impacts your current. Ah, oh, gotcha. Um, that there are, uh, there are certain, you know, dragon cultists are involved. Uh, they're allies with some dragons, and other dragons hate them. It all depends on, you know, it's dragon politics. And <laughs> there's like my players in Tyranny of Dragons, they're working with. They're going up against one of the big bad um, apex dragons that's working for the cult. Well, they didn't realize that they're they've been spied on. So when they go to fight him, he knows all this stuff about them. Nice. And he's right. and he's he's trash talking personal stuff like, oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go eat your family when I'm done with this. Or I'm, you know, and it's just, and it's just upping the ante, getting some players angry. Other ones are terrified of the secrets that he's revealing in the fight. And I also had him start the fight off being invisible because he's a caster. Okay. Dragons can use magic. I was a follow up on that. Yes. So <laughs> obviously the way you make these creatures even more interesting, especially in a non-combat aspect is to give them spells, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't, are there any like strict rules about what's like, are there any like straight up like, Hey, here's a variant of their spell. Or does it just say like, Hey, whatever spells you want to give them, just let them have it. Cause they're <laughs> fucking dragons. <laughs> right. Some as written, like in certain modules have a spell list already. Okay. Um, there is this one little blurb about uh, a magic variant dragon in the monster manual. It's like one paragraph. It's not very helpful. Yeah. Um, the way I do it is I just give them a level. Like, hey, this is a level nine sorcerer. Okay. And then I go, <laughs> then, I, then, I go then I go shopping. Then I go shopping. Yeah, that, I think that's a fun where you can, and, and you can play up their, their layer and their elemental stuff and be like, all right, here are the kind of spells you'd be working with. Uh, OG Old Nawbone, she has a spell list. Um, and she has made her own spells. She has unique spells that she has crafted. Uh, that's always fun. That are... This, they're like her signature item. You see those, and your players are going, "What the crap is yeah. that? <laughs> That's not in my book." And you laugh, and you go, "I know." <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. I dug through some older editions for uh, Amrith. Goldmine. Goldmine. She had a Force Burn ability that uh, gets rid of players' spell slots. Oh. And expense oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's nasty. Yeah. My awesome. cleric is going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> that is some of the best advice by Gleg right there is go back into some of the, the lore 
and that was one of the things I fed uh, Eric for uh, yes. uh, for Rhyme is go back in a thir- uh, 3.5, the Dragonomicon, and some of the other um, books where they do give you dragon spell lists. They give you special abilities for certain named dragons. Uh, Fizbins would also work. There's a lot of oh. stuff that will get you beyond the monster <laughs> manual. I have uh, my one complaint for Fizbins, having not fully read it yet, is that they name drop Imrith just out of the blue. Really? That's one of uh, one of my players got that for Christmas, and I told him he was not allowed to read it until I literally have a sticky note. It's one paragraph, but it it's not just like the general like, oh, Imrit's a blue dragon in the desert, and it, it literally says that like takes the, the guise of... of a storm giant. <laughs> oh and... man! Well, <laughs> so that is something that I always, I found really weird in Storm King's Thunder uh, is that Imrith doesn't change her name for her giant form. Like she, <laughs> she goes, she goes to work in the giant, you know, the storm giant uh, city as I am Rith. So it's like, okay, nobody's Google searching got, her and nobody's Google yeah. which is so what that made me do in the campaign was just hide her name. Like, like you like use nicknames when you guys would find like books or scrolls and people would talk about the ancient blue oh, dragon. Yeah. They could never use her name because you guys were eventually going to meet a giant named Iamrith, and that was not when you were supposed to figure out the villain. Yeah, I gave her, I don't remember what it is, because my players aren't there yet, but I gave her, like, a pseudonym where you shuffle around the letters, and it's, like, mystery or something like that. Right, yeah. But yeah, that was one (laughs) of the first things I changed, because that makes no sense. Right. Tell me about Fizzbands. I have not uh, looked at that yet, or read it or anything. I've only looked at a few of the stat blocks. Uh, my favorite thing out of there is they have a living breath weapon that changes based on which dragon creates it. Oh, like the like the living spells in Rhyme? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Interesting. Are there different uh, dragon... Uh, in, in, any other interesting things about, like... D- dragon differences or I mean, i've seen some from like tomb of beasts had some interesting there was like a void dragon and you know there's in every single it's funny it's every single monster book i've ever looked at they have to have the dragons that's just a staple like you just have to have <laughs> some version of your dragon and sometimes they're cool and interesting and other times they're very clearly just copy pasted from the monster manual with just some a few things tweaked around here and there but like it's such a ubiquitous part of of any monster supplement so uh i I guess it'd be refreshing that i would not have that complaint with a book that was entirely about dragons because that would be the entire point was to just explore more dragons give us more dragon variants there there is a um if i remember correctly they they reintroduced the, the gem dragons so you have the metallics the chromatics and then you bring they bring back the gem dragons so like mm. amethyst and sapphire and those kind, which oh, okay. is a throwback from antiquity, um, and they bring in some new uh, feats where you can have like uh, the blessing of the of the chromatic or the metallic or the gem. Because Raymond fucking took one of those for the Force <laughs> <Yeah>. of Fury. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how that yeah. happened, but it has an error on Roll Twenty's part. And yeah, so I'll take yeah, this dragon blessing. Yeah, and well, it's, it is technically a feat, but they call it the blessing <laughs> of the gem dragon or whatever. Um, so, you know, your mileage may vary, but there's some of those things that a lot of people find a lot of, you know, um, there's some fun stuff with them. Um, and then you have dragon kin. Um, Tyranny of Dragons gives you drakes, which are flightless dragons mm. that um, are kind of like almost a reskin dire wolf. Um, they're, um, there's, there's ambush drakes, which tend to be sneaky guys that'll, you know, it's like the rogue, the rogue dire wolf. Uh, (laughs) you have guard drakes, which, um, aren't all creatures just reskin dire wolves at some point. uh, To some extent, (laughs) you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. Um, and so some of those were fun of, you know, you've got a dragon cultist that's got two, two guard drakes on a leash. All of a sudden, that's not an easy fight, you know, because these things are rolling around with like 65 hit points. And if they bite you, it, you're going to know it. 
so they don't have breath weapons or anything like that, but you know, they have like a minion, fill out a layer. Yeah. It's like a, it's almost like a step below the wormling. Okay. Uh, and then you got your half dragons that they like to use where there's a, a, a gladiator and a veteran stat block um, that you run into one, you run into a red half dragon. That, that's, that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then something that you've talked about before, Eric, is mixing things up. So one of the big fights I did um, just a couple of weeks ago was I had a, a fight start and it was a, it was a grudge match. These they the party had hated this this evil um, back, backstabber betrayer, and they're getting finally getting vengeance. Round one, the fight's on. They've already matched up. They're moving into strategy. Then I had a young red dragon with a half dragon gladiator on it drop in behind them. <laughs> nice. And they went and it's in. You kind of fight dragons by color, so they're currently going up against the white dragon wing of the dragon cult. So everybody's loaded with cold resistance and all this, and I dropped the red dragon behind them. <laughs> Not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you can do things like that because the white dragon wing was getting their butts kicked, and the leader of the dragon cult is over the red dragon, so they called for reinforcements. Nice. And he's, he sent help. <laughs> so you know you can once again your enemies know what they're doing you know the bad guys know what they're doing has anybody especially a dragons good chris i was just say, has anybody actually done what eric was talking about earlier where and just have a dragon be a complete asshole and just strafe breath weapon i've never i've never had the guts to even try <laughs> that <laughs> In real combat, I yeah. mean, like, like, we've done it in like, like in, in rhyme. It's, Eric was doing that chance in rhyme, but it wasn't combat. Yeah, I did once um, in that Dragonlance module. Um, spoilers for that. Um, someone, it's like that scene uh, from Lord of the Rings where they knock the pebble down the well, and every orc in Mordor comes out to get them. <laughs> you know, um, so it was one of those scenes where there's a big well in the middle of uh, Zaxaroth. And someone went to look down it, and Chrysanneth comes out. She almost TPK'd the party. It le- it was it was one of the big moments of that section that everyone still talks about. Is the cleric was the only one that lived, and <laughs> went like Marine Corps corpsman, grabbing grabbing the dead characters and the wounded ones, and running into the temple, the only standing structure, yeah. and exposing herself to breath weapons and everything else, making her saves. And got everybody to safety. Wow! And then I can see, I can went see through really and rezzing everybody and stuff. And yeah, it was it was a very powerful moment. Um, and so that part was a lot of. As the DM, it worked out perfectly. As the players, yeah. they're going like, "What just happened?" And it's like right. that's what you want to do. They're going to remember yeah. it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I I think that 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 kind of situation doing that kind of thing works if the goal is not to kill the dragon if the goal is like to the, like in your scenario the goal is to, to survive like to get everyone yeah. into safety mm-hmm. like that is that is the goal of the scenario then yeah a dragon you know flying around just constantly breath weaponing people that that works or like in uh war for the lost plane like the goal is just getting a sword out of its head um, yeah. And I mean the fight that way versus you know like oh no you actually have to fight this thing that's never gonna land and just constantly you know fly around. When a dragon gets a surprise round with a breath weapon, you're going <laughs> to have a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> that, that's a tricky thing to pull off in in combat. I think is to create that situation where like hey this is this is a fight right now, but it's not a fight you're probably gonna survive. That's pretty tricky. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of players are like, they're going to fight till the death and they're not look, really looking at like egress at any particular moment. I don't know if we've, maybe we've had a situation where that's come up, but I, I couldn't think of it off the top of my head where we were in a straight fight and then we thought, oh, we actually can't do this. I feel like at some point the DM would start, you know, doing things to pull back versus forcing the players to pull back. Right but that might be a different conversation. Has anybody had a situation where the dragon was not the big bad of, of 
like it was a surprise where like oh no the dragon's actually just working for an even bigger bat or something else or is the dragon always on top not yet but i'm doing that in my storm king's yeah? campaign really yeah slark rathrell is going to be the big bad oh. big bad evil guy oh you're flipping it up i like, like it okay yeah. i like it a lot I, I actually like that too, because like Slark Throw was was a big part of of uh, my Storm King's Thunder, and I I really liked him as a villain. Yeah, that was a memorable moment. We were on the ship, and the fucking like tentacles like bursting out yep. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. What, yeah, I was so confused when I watched that because I was like, oh, I kind of like the original ship map. I wonder why he's not using that. And then when mm. you shared it during the like the the finale i was like oh, right. oh i have to use that map <laughs> the phased map of like the tentacles are coming out and now the tentacles are on the deck and now the tentacles are hugging the ship <laughs> yeah. the map is so good yeah i like that a lot that's cool that yeah that'd be great i, I think that's a cool tweak because that would, that would be a pretty great subversion because obviously people usually think okay well the dragon is our big thing and then um, yep. and, and, you know, you can use it where it's like, you know, a, a not fully grown dragon would be one easy way to do it and just have it be, you know, happens to be working for somebody else who's even more powerful, but it'd be pretty rare because pretty much across the board on dragons, they're pretty arrogant. They're pretty top of the pack. Like, yeah. you know, it would be something they would have to be very clever about. Like, okay, I'm going to bide my time. I want to work for this asshole. And then I'm becoming my own, my own dragon. Right. But. Yeah. Or or just an alliance that happens to play out with the players where you yeah. beat the dragon first and then you've got the other part of the alliance. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying yeah. to think of a situation where you would have like a boss fight where I, where the dragon was like a minion or a lieutenant of something bigger. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> the closest... Well, Go ahead, Chris. I was just, just going to say, we had n not quite that, but something that was kind of like that at the end of Princes of the Apocalypse... There was a red yes, dragon. You're there. right. There was. <laughs> and he was kind of hanging out watching. Like right watching before the final area. Yeah. And it's like a it social was, encounter. We weren't really actively fighting him, but he was definitely not on our side for that. He was like there and sort of aggressively watching us fight the fire. I, I think at the. Yeah. Uh, spo boy, we're going through a lot of campaigns right oh, now yeah. with the dragons. We did have about one or two. Uh, spoilers for the end of our Prince of the Apocalypse campaign. Um, where I, I believe uh, Heather's character made like a temporary alliance with the Red Dragon, who I think is an adult Red Dragon, straight up at the end of that dungeon. And I think it mentions the fact that that's from the book that the players kind of work with this dragon a little bit. And at the very end, I think that dragon like helps either save her or helps bring her to the portal or something. Yes. yes. To where I don't think it's ever actually a combatant, and it doesn't help in that fight or anything, but it does like help like in a narrative cinematic way, which is kind of neat. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it was ever actually in the fight. So that, but no, that, that that's kind of a good example, but also you, was not. I do remember you kept teasing it though. You kept yeah. being like, "That red dragon's watching. He <laughs> <laughs> can step in at any time." I, I was going to say the closest I've ever come to doing that was the dragon they were fighting wasn't the final boss. It was the dragon they didn't see <laughs> that was the final boss. Oh. Um, Draco liches have the ability that like any other liches they frequently put their phylactery in a magic item like a sword and so right. they were fighting a dragon they kill the dragon everyone's beat the heck up they're happy they're looting it someone pulls a magic sword out and it triggers the phylactery and the draco lich goes into the body of the dead dragon they just fought round two has begun uh, that's pretty and, good. and they're now fighting a draco lich when they're already as Eric likes to say, spent resources, kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's how a lot of those uh, is mythic uh, Odyssey of Theros, I think, did that, where they added the mythic monsters, which basically literally works like, hey, you defeat the boss, and then once you reduce its regular hit points down to zero, then you trigger the bullshit second stage boss fight. It heals up to, I think, about half its hit points and then gains like new abilities, and then it's on again. Which is not as cool as what you're describing, which is transforms into a straight up Draco Lich. But I, I like the idea of that's how you just make a more powerful boss fight. Is you kind of have to borrow from like that 
video game bullshit of like, oh, I hate the second stage boss fight. But I think in D&D it could work pretty well because the whole point of that is to stretch the player's resources along. And that's yeah. that can be pretty nice if they've been like, all right, we, we've saved our stuff for the boss. Now we're going to unleash everything. And then you go into this further and like, oh, shit, we got like nothing left in the tank. Yeah. And what makes it good is when they killed the Dracolich, he goes back into the sword. And so the next time they fight a dragon and kill it, it comes back. Oh, they don't know? Do this. They didn't know. Oh, shit. <laughs> Four players. That it happened, is it, nasty. It was, the, it was the third time when they, they kill a dragon, <laughs> everyone just circled that body going, come on, come on. Yeah, we're ready. They just we're thought it's like go. an effect that's we're, going on. It's like, we're ready for you. Oh, man. And they, they just that's when they finally figured out what was going on. Because the only thing they had really carried with them was that one magic blade. And they go, yeah, we're breaking the sucker. We're done. (laughs) More bad than good. The the mythic encounters you mentioned. uh, Fizzbands does that where they have an aspect of Bahamut and an aspect of Tiamat that both have like the mythic level, if you want to take it that high. Where, yeah, you manage to reduce their hit points the first time and... I want to say it even resets like their legendary resistances. Oh, wow. Which is just evil. <laughs> that is. That really is. Yeah. But, I mean, if the players are high enough, like, Dean gets pretty yeah. crazy with how strong players uh-huh. are, so. That's the thing is, uh, for Lost Mine of Fandelver, I was terrified I was going to TPK my party when yeah. they came across Venom Fang because they were only level four. And I want to say the adult green dragons, like a CR8. Mm-hmm. And he managed to get a surprise round and hit Ooh. two of three of my players with that breath weapon. But one of them was a Warforge, so he had advantage on the save and resistance to the damage. And then the other one was my brother's a min-maxer and has a Tortle Abjuration Wizard. <laughs> he had, like, infinite temporary HP. Uh, so yeah, they managed to send Venom Fang packing instead wow. of TPKing the party like I thought was going to happen. That's I don't think I don't think we fought Venom Fang, did we? I don't it was think very much so. A, I think it was a it was social. Like the, it was like the it was like the White Dragon thing where it's like we're yeah. just like we, we, uh, no, this is beyond us. He might have done something where it like batted somebody. I don't recall, but I think it was mostly just a social encounter. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall that. Um, all right, we've been going for almost an hour, so do we want to do closing thoughts on dragons? It's been a very popular topic. Uh, we're going to go in reverse order and go with Chris first. I, I think the uh, excitement with which we've been talking about dragons is just accentuating my earlier point that they're fun creatures. They're mm. fun creatures to use. They're fun creatures to uh, to roleplay. Um, for me, roleplaying them especially is, yeah. is a lot of fun. Um and uh, to I forget which one of you made the point, but using them sparingly is probably the best bet because they, they, you do want them to be special, you know. To be, uh, unless your entire is, unless you're stand playing Tyranny of Dragons, where the entire campaign is like I guess that's true. Dragon cultists, and you're dealing with dragons, dragons all the time. Then and, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then dragons become part of the landscape. Yeah, basically. But uh, yeah, if you can just make the make dragon encounters memorable, I think they are they become very memorable. Yeah. Uh, Pegleg, closing thoughts on using dragons. Dragons are iconic for a reason. They're one of the best stat blocks that D&D has to offer, mm. especially when you're able to do the what you've been doing and use them as like almost a force of nature going in first, where it's not fighting them. It's just, hopefully we can survive through this and then <laughs> maybe get them later. Yeah. Uh, Stan, closing thoughts on dragons. Um... Dragons know what, uh, dragons are intelligent. They know what they're doing most of the time. And so play them accordingly. Um, they have agents outside their lair. So they have access to information that even the players might not have and use it against them. And then even good dragons, all dragons are always dangerous. Always mm, dangerous. That's, a, yeah. that's good advice. <laughs> even the good <laughs> like dragons that. might not be on your side. Yeah, I, I agree that I think dragons are probably one of the best stat blocks um, in terms of balanced and the features that they have in the monster manual um they're certainly the most um varied in terms of uh you've got a dragon for every kind of like biome and and tier of play and situation so there's really no excuse not to use them on the other hand they're often you know 
their their intelligence and their apex category and their haughty nature often can make them challenging because you really don't you can't necessarily throw them into a dungeon the way you can a lot of other monsters they're usually the boss of a realm or you know in charge of a situation or something but i think that can also make things um very fun and interesting and i love teasing dragons first um especially if, if you can do if you can do the one-two punch of first having it be an environmental challenge essentially or or a social challenge where the players are you know dealing with the dragon ahead of time whether it's burning down their ship or, or just flying over a town or something you know dragons are active and they're doing shit and then later on you can have them you know meet that dragon in the dungeon and it's just i mean for any monster really it's so good when you can um have these sociable monsters that the players can interact with first even if they're not your big bad villain um but you can still create that dynamic to where by the time they finally meet this creature like oh man i really can't wait to fucking take this thing on that is very very satisfying all right, I think that will do it for this month's DM Roundtable. Thank you to Stan Pegleg and special guest Chris for joining me this month. And to all the patrons, shouts to Platinum patrons, Joe Will, Tide Dancer, Thomas, Adam, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Kyle, Brandon, Genocider, David, Nebula99, Eclectic, Role Player Role, James, and Lindsay. And gold patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, and James. Thank you all very much for your support. Hope to see you all again for next month's DM Roundtable discussion.